system, at least not really part of the system, 
ensure that the body is stable enough so that one can sit or be in a particular position for a long time comfortably. And then it's taken, or it is taking off, or it is the mind. So the yogi name, Raj Yoga, starts with the mind and not with the body. And through that, he makes the mind more and more refined, subtle, various types of control, mastery, powers hidden within the mind, just as Hajjogi discovers fascinating within the body. Nagima, Brahma, Anima, Maima, ways to which we can really bring out latent things within the body. Similarly, the Rajogi brings out latent powers within the mind. The ability to influence thoughts, the ability to control thoughts, the ability to receive thoughts, the ability to cast an influence far and wide, the ability to exert pressure upon the physical environment by the power of the mind. So all these are hidden possibilities. Though, you know, we are made to believe that we are slaves, we are not really slaves. But by yoga, the Rajogi brings out these possibilities. But then, as mankind descends still further, he becomes aware that he is not just the body and the mind. He is also an inner being. Something which is more subtle, more subjective, more intrinsic, more himself. What we can really call as man as he is himself. So as he goes further, we have another yoga. We see in the yoga of the Gita, new things added up. It's not just in Raj Yoga, Raj Yoga is there, but it's a small little step. In the yoga of the Gita, we have Raj Yoga, but it's a small little step. It occupies a small corner, but the rest of the yoga starts with the inner being of man. How his thoughts, his feelings, his will, all these can unite together and uplift themselves to the sublime, to the divine quality. But then mankind has moved still further. Otherwise, there is no evolution. Evolution has carried us to a point where we more and more have become individualized at one point. And at the same time, we feel the sense of a larger unity in each unit. So a new yoga has to be given for us and man, appropriate to the unity in each unit. And that yoga is the yoga of Shurabhumi, the integral yoga of Shurabhumi, the mother. It's a new yoga in the sense that if we see all these processes, Art Yoga, Raj Yoga, the Yoga of the Gita, Yoga of the Tantra, there are many other, I'm, I'm not touching upon many, many types of sub yoga, but the mainstreams of yoga. The possibility of uniting with the divine becomes more complete, at the same time it becomes more and more simpler. The divine does not want us to do very complicated, difficult things. So very often we, uh, you know, when people age here, we know, uh, one thing they say is that Shurabindu is very difficult. I have always found it very strange because actually he is very direct, very simple, very straight. The problem with our minds are not at all direct. We have all kinds of metaphysical theories coming and buzzing inside the mind and we are very complicated people. So when a simple, direct, straight something comes within the mind, fragments into multiple channels and the mind is active. Why does Shabindu say that? Why doesn't he say that? He says as he sees it. So it is recorded in experience. There is no why to it. If someone tells me to describe, describe this form and describe this, then I see it. Now if somebody tells me why have you made this person sit in front and that person behind me, I have not made it. I am just seeing it and I am describing it. It's not about good or bad or right or wrong. 
So now the same ships as you are just ready with this, you know, guided to help the devotee. So, Vishakti, Parvati, Mother Shia, where are you going? My devotee is in distress. And as he steps out, he returns back and sits back into the meditation. And he says, what happened now? He says, no, he has lifted up his own body and he wants to find it out himself. So, you know, he doesn't trust him enough. He says, God knows that you Shiva come, my state is good enough to change these rules. Now, you know, this quietening of the white place so that we allow the divine power, the divine grace to work with us. Most of the practice is surrender, equanimity. If you really see their essence, basically they are ways to which we can collaborate. They are very interesting. Indian term for it. There is yoga which the divine does, and we have to do Sahaja Yoga. Enjoyed in a beautiful story of Yara and Narayana, the two ancient yogis, where they come together and fight out in this world. The divine does, and the man, the human portion, has to become an instrument, has to become receptive, open, quiet, surrender, and then the yoga proceeds. So, this is one of the uh, one of the newness that should, you know, actually brings the ancient truth of yoga into the forefront. And that is the reason that we read through Shabindo, we see things like open to the mother. Now, you know, people get very lost. What does it mean open to the mother? You know, when young people go to ashram, and all of us have the same experience, at least I had one when I, you know, reading through synthesis, I asked a very old father. I said, so Shabindo emphasizes a lot upon the will, isn't it? By your own willpower. He said, no, no, no. Shabindo speaks of surrender. Now, you know. This is, uh, you know, if you go and ask those old sadhus uh, in the ashram, well, how do you do this yoga? They will say, take mother's name. So, you know, most young people are very dissatisfied. Well, what is this take mother's name? There must be something I must do. Uh, then they start asking a direct question. Okay, tell me what time, how much you meditate? So you say, no, 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 I, I go regularly for my work morning at this time, at this time. When someone asks you, you know, uh, I want to come to Ashram to get a mantra from the mother. Shabindu said in his characteristic unconventional way, the mother does not need mantra, she needs work. So, you know, many people don't understand what is this by doing work in one of the Ashram departments. How do you do yoga? You must be having a practice. And then sometimes they begin to feel there must be some secret practice. Because they are not telling us uh, this is a secret practice. And that practice is to open to the mother. That's true opinion. Whatever we call him and looking at a picture, by reading something she has said, by reading Shabindo, by simply remembering it in the heart, it's as simple as that. So if you really look at the whole evolution of yoga and Shabindo's own yoga in that whole context and in the background, basically the divine wants to make the yoga more and more easy for us. So one thing we must get rid of from our minds is that it's very difficult. The yoga is very difficult only in its aim, but the yoga is very easy when you look at the method. These are the two different things. It's difficult in the aim because Shabindu speaks of mankind reaching a crucial stage where not only the soul 
embrace today what we have for secure selectors has been much longer than process. So we have just started on a new venture of a new man. It waited maybe thousand years, two thousand years. What does it matter? It's a wonderful project to be engaged in, and that's what you should do is give some big transformation and the emergence of a new species or a new race or a new humanity or what the town which I prefer most is a demonized humanity. You have to enjoy it, takes care of all the other superlative because otherwise there is a tendency to feel that you know it's a big club, it's a big club. In fact, the elites are the most difficult people and they are not going to meet in the true sense. But there is a kind of feeling that I have in the elite and it's very difficult for them to engage in yoga because they are so self-satisfied with themselves. No wonder Christ said, it is the meek and the meek who shall inherit the earth. That's so true. Because the meek and the meek is the meek of the divine. Those who feel that men lie are everything, they are maddened in their own pride and they don't feel the need anyone else. And the result is whatever we see today. So, yoga is taking place in art. It's an evolutionary journey. But the difference is that man can consciously collaborate. If man doesn't collaborate, well, yoga will continue. Evolution will continue. New beings will emerge until a diminished form appears and manifests upon. So, we must know that there is an important role that man has to play, but we must also remember that our importance is of relative importance. It's not an absolute importance. The creation, the, the work of God does not depend only upon us. It's an undertaking taken by the divine. If man doesn't collaborate, he moves out of the way, dolphins evolve along the sea, they are very close cousins. Just as if, you know, that's a better plan of God. <laughs> if man doesn't, very, very fast. There is a lot of space, no issues about traffic jams, no fuel prices, and we can evolve into very conscious beings, absolutely demonized beings. What prevents? So we should not, you know, believe that creation depends upon us, earth depends upon us, and you know, even some kind of being God depends upon us now. He has no ways, but it will be wonderful if we can become conscious collaborators. Why not? Why should we go through? All this kind of mass destruction which happens every time humanity reaches a point and then collapses. The mother speaks about it that, you know, six times there have been massive deluges and mass destructions of Allah. And this is the seventh creation. Once again, mankind is striving, trying to evolve, go beyond itself. And it will be a pity if mankind crashes back and has to start all over again. It's not at all a good state. So let us make our choices and consciously collaborate and participate. And that's when we see the beginning of Sanskrit. Sanskrit begins from one such cycle of creation. Now we may say it's the beginning of creation, or we may say one such cycle of creation. And it looks like it's one such cycle of creation. Because you would describe that creation has plunged into darkness. But there is in the darkness something like a faint remembrance which is still inside. There is no, nothing called an absolute darkness. There is something inside, like a remembrance, like a cell which has forgotten itself. And it begins to stir and move and emerge and come out and evolve. And eventually it receives the 
touch of the divine blessing, beautiful journeys you make in the great tomorrow. What we study is about the start from that. It's a wonderful story. It starts from my own story. Very often when people write autobiography. So they write from when I was born and so and so dead in so and so place. That's not a biography or autobiography. It's a silly. You should be able to say I'm millions of years old. Mother said this when she was alive. Then my child had millions of years old. And then she adds after a pause, and I'm waiting. You should be able to say that. Mother not only regretted death so pessimistic, he was told, aren't you afraid of death? He said, why should I be afraid of dying? When I died in a stone, I was born a plant. When I died a plant, I was born a tree. When I died a tree, I was born a part of the beast. When I died a part of the beast, I was born a man. Why should I be afraid of death? Yes, we have to forego the humanness for the divinity for humans. But this foregoing is not in the sense of anything. It's the otherness of something. Yoga is not divorced from life. It's not an element of the human, but an upliftment and an ultimately, eventually, a transformation of the human into a divine humanity. So we lead our lives as if there are two things. One is very, very human, earthy and dear. You know, we speak of a life that I'm born, so and so, place, and then over our life, we are trying to defend it. Somebody is very beautifully said, you know, this, um, that, you know, when we are born, Someone gives us a name, somebody gives us a name, and somebody gives us a religion, and the person gives us a holy book, and all of our life we are trying to defend it. But we didn't choose for it. What's my choice? So, you know, as we grow, as we evolve, we must discover what is that original religion, if I may say so. It's not even humanity. Our original religion is that we are all divine by the very fact that we are divine from it. You know, there is a tradition in India that when we, somebody takes to yoga, so he's given a new name. It's very interesting. So, before the name, often they will use the word Swami, but that's not important. It's about that we have to become master of ourselves. But the surname is dropped. The name is given, and after the name, there is a common surname which is added. What is the surname? Biologically, it's 
object, then the child is also a conception of the idea of what a child or human being should be. Now, this idea may be very vast, the idea may be very strong and narrow, but all conception is a dual conception. It is material and it is idealistic. So, they too, it is also a dual conception. We have a body and we have also a divine idea, the real idea. Something which the divine wants us to be. And that real idea, that divine idea is there within us as the original blueprint, the seed, the original script of the divine. And what is that real idea which is there in all of us? It is the Buddha. It is the real idea, original truth, what we should be and what we should manifest. So why doesn't it manifest easily? Because the script gets very often, you know, olden times there used to be two philosophers. They are very, very intelligent people, very intellectual. But what was their task? Their task was to write very nice poetry which would please the king. So all their talent, all their intelligence, all their capacity is being diverted into pleasing the king. And therefore the poetry becomes something more. Similarly with our own life, there is a divine script within us, the real idea, but it gets unfortunately channeled wrongly, diverted wrongly by the ego into pleasing ourselves or pleasing those who will satisfy the ego. See, there are very beautiful, simple practices in some other way, one of them being we are not here to please ourselves. We are not here to please others. We are here What opinion I have about myself? What does it matter? What opinion others have of myself? What does it matter? What opinion I have of others? It is irrelevant. What matters is what the divine thinks of me. I'm not using the word valuable because he does not judge. He is himself pleasing himself. He does not judge. He sees, he knows, he loves. Thank you. 
column was actually, and then I was putting it aside. And now we are experiencing. Don't you feel it has become real and it's like, you know, extension? It cannot speak, it doesn't do anything, but something of my consciousness animates it. We may not realize it, but it's a real relation which we form. It's our consciousness which makes the doll come true, come alive. You know, people are children don't use very well, but how do you make all that But when we grow up, they are told, this is animate, that is animate. It's not true. There is nothing wrong living in creation. You can form a living relation with everything. So similarly, there is, there is this one consciousness which informs all things, beholds all things, and while it's beholding all things, it animates it, makes it come alive, makes it grow. When it makes mind it's on a tree, behold the icon growing by its age. Icon, it's simple. Looks and when it looks, it grows and it makes it come alive and grow. And then it forms a relation with it. So, you know, it, it's God saying how that's before any faculty is woken up, before any function is woken up. And also we can say it's the first day of creation. Neither there are the gods nor are there the titans. So this story applies at many levels. Individually, we experience the same event every time in our life. Born from the womb of darkness and before the God self. Nothing is functioning because the heart is beating. At one point of time, you will call the God beating. And slowly the God begins coming. It's also the story of the origin of creation. In India, it's uh, you know, immortalized through a tradition that every day, morning, sometime between uh, 2.30 or 3 o'clock till sunrise, it's a period called as Brahman. Stillness, the gods are sleeping. So, who is awake when the gods are sleeping? The yogi is awake when the gods are sleeping. Why? Because they alone can go beyond the gods. Even the gods have not yet started their rounds, but the yogi is awake. It's a beautiful symbol. But that is what, so see how many levels this symbol works. It draws the path of the divine event. How much of it is? this divine event. At the most outer level, it's the event that is going to take place on this day. And Sati one will die, and Savitri will become Dhatri. It's a divine event. Why? Because death is an everyday event. But immortality is not an everyday event. It means a divine intervention. At another level, deeper level, master level, it's a divine event. The divine event is creation itself. Look at how beautiful Shri Yogyana makes it. We are taught that to do yoga, we must shun creation. We should stop loving creation. Because God is other than this creation. This world, that is God. But if creation itself is a divine event, why should I seek Mukti for individual members? I would rather love this world for the Sunday. He is here in this piece of mud he is there. He is there with a human heart. He is there to fly with the bird. He is there with a fish, with a kiran of Sri Vishnu. That's why in the blue of the sky, in the green of the liquid, those with the hand that have painted the blue, when the wind, winds were asleep in the womb of the eagle, who was it raised them and bade them to go? 
definition of incompatibility. What you have to do? Light it up. And where is the light? In our own heart. The psychic being is the light. The lamp which has to light up this temple of energy, which is creation. My own body is a temple and it must be lit up in the psychic plane. So, but it, it starts from this space where it's added. Lays first immobile upon silence march, almost oneself opaque, impenetrable. In the somber symbol of arrivals close, the abyssal and the unbodied infrared. The featherless zero occupies the world. This has to be. And we don't even know what is there. Is it there? Is it not there? Your perception also starts to And where is this human symbol of what this psyche is about? The birth of a baby. But it's very easy to understand because the same truth repeats itself. The first step is, is it there or is it not there? We don't know. We have to wait for a time when the child declares itself that I am there. So there is at first a state when there is something, but there is nothing overt, nothing which is obvious. So it's a fathomless hero, and yet something is there within with power of foreign boundless self awakening between the first and the last nothingness. Recalling the tremendous womb from which it came, turned from the insoluble mystery of birth and the tardy process of mortality, and longed to reach its end, its waking. Something starts, something comes out, but wants to go back. Creation has a tendency to collapse back. In our days, uh, you know, all types of variations of yoga, someone up there gets thrown with the flow, back to nature. And I think, well, this is a very nice way to get back to that fallen self. Because, you know, creation has this tendency. There is a strong gravitation which pulls us down. There is nothing, you know, when people say yoga is difficult, then of course, but are we here to do anything? The easiest thing is to, you know, be overpowered by all the forces of nature. Lust and anger and greed and all the rest. Then just fall away to look at it. Because it is a natural tendency. We long to go back into the vacant plot. But, and this but has to be.
looks like this thing, only for Russia, he will not. Why he could reveal all these things? Because not only did he go into the highest regions of life, we have heard about yogis living in the light or you know, experiencing light, experiencing vastness, all that is old stuff. Yes, someone had to ask Raja into the dark and see what is going on. Someone had to go there and wake up that power which was hidden inside the dark. What is that power? It is the same original power. That supernatural which is self-revealed about, it is involved in creation. Otherwise, Shankar used the word involved supernatural. So someone had to go there and wake it up. Come, your hour has come. Even now, it is throughout the history, it is to the mind that is active. It is the original power of creation, the original wisdom. But always in many, many layers of universe, never its direct access. Mostly through the overnight thoughts. And every time these layers deflect its action, distort its action, it's like too many moving men. And so creation has become what it is. But it was necessary. Now the time has come for all the little men to be involved in it. So that we can directly have our own experience of the divine. Not just in our souls, but even in the bodies. So, he goes into the darkness, Shanti. There are many unique things about Shanti Yoga, which as we go through the day, we will discover one of them is this. So, what does he discover there? He is sharing his discovery with us. He saw in light the eternal's shadowy vision. If one light is enough, the light is enough to reveal the Imagine that when we experience darkness, we remember this line and we say, Oh, you are hiding behind this darkness? Light will change. I can assure you, light will change. When you look inside and say that it's not just the darkness, behind the darkness is the smile of the divine. sharing our discovery, his discovery with us, this coming is not to be afraid of darkness. If we are too much afraid, through the runaway from our, the runaway from creation is given the sanctified, hallowed name of yoga. Earth is maya, world is maya, body is truth, that is runaway. But should we say, wait, perhaps we have not looked enough. If you look deeply, you will see earth is not maya, she is a goddess. She is bearing all this load of creation because she must give birth to divine possibilities. So we will now help. He saw in light the eternal's shadowy brain, knew death for a cellar of the house of life. What is death? It's a transition. Why are we afraid of transitions? Haven't we had several transitions? The first transition when we are born. It's a bigger transition because, you know, as the mystics know, there is light beyond death and suddenly it comes down to a small little online lens. It's a transition. That time I have the same face. What is happening to me? Then we transit from infancy to childhood. Childhood to adolescence. Adolescence to 
Why should we do this? So that we create space. Let's put something closer to the house. Again, let me guess. Home group. Deepavali is in English. I don't know how people correct or not. Deepavali is the festival of lights. And the darkest night and with the tradition associated with Deepavali, if you burn the lamps, that everybody knows. And if distortion is good, the bursting of crackers, which is purely nothing to do with Deepavali, symbolically, but sometimes done physically, people actually take out things which they don't need and they give it away. It's a very interesting tradition. Why looking right creates space. So we need to create space, loss. Without that, we can't, you know, there's no space. The mind will come and then want to enter in, into our house. And imagine you will say, uh, yeah, just give me wait for some time. Uh, you know, I'm looking after my husband and my So the mind becomes an outlaw. But you know, it should be the other way around. He's the Lord of Lords. He comes and everything should be quiet and still, waiting for him. Everybody should be waiting for him. He's the real guest of honor. But very often, he's not the guest of honor. He's just the living lip service. Where we give lip service to the divine, but the real God is very close and we just go and believe it. He's sitting into a or a church or a mosque or whatever else. <laughs> and we give them service. But all else is about the ego, about the dress, about, you know, this or that, you know, faith, sometimes uh, jealousies and all kinds of things. But to remove the ego and seek the divine relationship, show me the way. Because this defines you very closely. In place of the ego, to seek the divine consciousness in you. How simple. That's what we have to do. Nothing else. No real, no practices. Whenever ego comes, give it a good blow and say, you fool, you have cheated me so far. I don't want you. And you have no place. <laughs> Shut the door. <laughs> I have somebody else who I want in my heart. It's the divine mother. And we should love her. So, you have it. You know, you lost as the prize of Celestial game, it's, it's a game, as the Ishaq Mishra says, in the 15th Manita, by renouncing enjoying. But the point is this renunciation is not something weak, cowardly. Oh, I can't enjoy it like, you know, many people pass their midlife, become vegetarians because they're too drunk falling and, you know, they cannot chew on to it. How to go to the other thing is hard problem. This is not renunciation. Renunciation is very powerful. Why? Because you are preparing yourself to receive delight. You are letting go of small pleasures because something else is everything for you. And if your system is not ready, it breaks down. It's the delight that is at the back of everything. Little joy can turn us greatly, imagine the delight. So the laws are the prize of celestial beings. Every life is a sukla for yoga. And then finally, and pleasure as a shortcut to heaven's gates. This, I must say, every time we experience at the last experience of Gitani, when I did so, they told me to try this dancing. So that is the new 
Of the 
Thank you. 